This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. So last month, I was at the Raleigh Veg Fest in Raleigh, North Carolina, walking around, and I met a woman named Queenetta Queenie Moore, and she was promoting 21 Day to Plant-Based Challenge, which I've seen lots of, but what was interesting was that she was pitching it to the African-American community, and I wasn't sure what was different, but there were differences in the way she was talking in the words she was using in the appeal she was making and i got really curious about that and so we exchanged contact information and agreed to get on the phone and talk about it and that's what you're going to hear in today's episode and i quickly discovered that there was a lot more to queenie than just this particular topic Suffice to say, Queenie is a firecracker. She knows exactly what she wants to do in the world, what she wants to accomplish, and she's taking powerful steps to make it happen. And I am thrilled that I was able to learn from her during this conversation. So without further ado, Queenie Moore, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Howie. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And there's, we have a lot to talk about. But first, why don't you just tell everyone like what you do, uh, what, what's, what lights you up right now, and uh, a little bit about your business. Okay, so I am by trade a personal trainer. That's where I started. Um, a certified personal trainer. I then became a uh, licensed massage therapist, and I am a plant-based um, vegan. So... That's what I, that's my credentials. I currently hold a challenge, um, a 21 days to plant-based challenge, and that helps people on their journey to a plant-based diet and gives them that, um, that soft introduction into the lifestyle. So that's mainly what I do at this moment. I, I, over the summer, I normally tour the country and, um, I partner with one other trainer and we hold group boot camps. Um, while our children are <laughs> away at their families, we get to tour and um, bring our skills and our um, love for fitness um, to other places all across the nation that we wouldn't normally get to visit. Wow. That's great. So, and I'd love to find out sort of how, how you do that. Because, you know, I, I could get in my car and travel around the country and like no one would <laughs> Know about it. <laughs> no, so, no. <laughs> so it's great to travel around the country, yeah, but it's even have, greater to have people waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's actually really it's very satisfying. But yeah, they they surprise me each time because every time we go somewhere, for the most part, we've at least got thirty um, participants in each session. So it's 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 pretty neat. Gotta say. So, so one one thing that always interests me when some when someone is a personal trainer, and they're also uh, whole food plant based or vegan or or both, mm-hmm. um, is how did you get there? You know, so most the the, the training industry tends to be fairly protein uh, obsessed, fairly uh, mm-hmm. you know meat heavy. You know, protein <laughs> shakes, six six boneless, uh, you know, ch- chicken uh, breasts mm-hmm. for for dinner. What's what What's your story? Did you grow up with an appreciation of a plant based diet, or you know, how, how did how did how did that all come about? Well, um, I think I sat back and had to think um, where this 
love for nutrition came about or where it might have first reared its head. And um, growing up, I I was raised Seventh-day Adventist, and um, most people who know of Seventh-day Adventist know that they they have a, the church has a huge, um, uh, they concentrate a lot on nutrition and what you're eating. And for the most part, the church follows a vegetarian diet. My family did not, um, but I guess I heard about nutrition and the importance of it first dating back to probably when I was, you know, a young child, um, seven, eight years old and so forth. And of course I grew up in the church. So, um, always kind of heard it, but I, we didn't follow. I think we tried it maybe a time or two, and I think we tried to get whole wheat bread <laughs> uh-huh. as opposed to white bread a few times. But my mother is from North Carolina. Um, that's how we ate, you know, in a very southern um, fried chicken and uh, macaroni and cheese and all those, you know, comfort, quote-unquote, foods. Um, that's how I was raised. When I had my daughter, I was in the military, um, or I was in the military and got out um, due to having my daughter. I wanted to nurse her. And I think that was my first time, the pregnancy, I'm speaking of, the pregnancy was my first time doing the research and say, and, um, you know, what every pregnant mom reads the what to expect when expecting a book. And I remember reading um, about salmon or some fish product. And it was stating that we shouldn't consume no more than six ounces while, you know, throughout the pregnancy, you know, throughout the week. So at that moment, it kind of dawned on me. So if I should not be eating no more than six ounces for fear of mercury poisoning to my Mm -hmm. child, what could this be doing to me? You know, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't be eating no more than six ounces a week or maybe I shouldn't be eating it at all, you know? So I remember reading that and I remember that setting in my, you know, mental Rolodex and throughout the pregnancy, I tried, you know, to eat healthy. I tried to eat more fruits and vegetables, but of course still eating, you know, um, meat and everything else. Um, And once I got out and I had my daughter two years into, you know, her being born. uh, So I think, yeah, I had just finished nursing her because I nursed her for quite some time, 22 months. And after that, I felt as if my two-year-old child, if she were to dart into traffic, um, if she darted into traffic, I didn't feel like I could catch her. I really felt not agile, not fit. Um, Though I was in the military, I was not an avid uh, gym person. I did not work out after I got out of the military. I really only did so because I was told to do it or made to do it in the military. So um, once I got out, of course, I was not working out. The most I did was walk. And like I said, I just didn't feel energetic or um, I didn't have that vitality that I felt a 27-year-old at that time I should have had. So um, I began my, you know, my search through, um, okay, clean eating. This is something that is catching on. And okay, I got to eat fish. I got to eat chicken. I got to eat this, you know, pretty much all day. There's protein, 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 you know. And that that was was specifically to address your sort of lethargy and lack of energy, right? Absolutely. That's what I thought was, you know, I, I, at the time I did not eat frequently enough and I know I did not eat quality meals. I, I was eating what my mom had cooked, you know, when I had been taught to cook, you know, fried chicken and fried this and <laughs> all of those things. So I was looking into the clean eating as a way of um, getting that energy. 
and becoming fit. You know, that was a part of my journey also. I wanted to be able to dart after her if I needed to. So um, when I did that, um, I did and it worked. Um, I lost about 25 pounds or 20, 25 pounds. Um, I looked amazing. All of my friends, you know, started asking me to, you know, hey, help me. <laughs> That's kind of like how I got into the fitness world. But, um, but yes, a personal trainer, definitely all the time eating, you know, pork, not pork necessarily, but chicken and um, beef and all the lean meats and baked, boiled, steamed in that manner. And I remember when I first started my journey, I picked up a book called Skinny Bitch. And I read it, and I did not know at the time that it was talking about a vegan diet. I just picked it up because it was a cool name. <laughs> and uh, at the time, I wanted to lose weight, so I, I did judge that book by its cover. <laughs> but when I read it, I realized that it was talking about a plant-based or a vegan diet. And at the, being a trainer, I was like, oh, no, I can't do this. This is I'm not going to get enough protein. I'm going to lose all my muscle and um that's not going to work. But I did read a lot of the book and um, it made a lot of sense to me, but I was not ready at the time. So there was, do you want to hear more about how the, the transition changed, how I became plant-based? Yeah. And specifically, I'd love to hear how you overcame that voice. Cause I think that voice is in all of us, right? There's, we, we all have cultural yeah. programming and to the extent that we're not aware of it, it, it runs our lives. So to, you know, for yes. you to become aware that, okay, now I'm challenging this notion that I need all this protein in order to be fit and healthy, um, especially because you had, you had adopted a cleaner diet that I guess had a lot mm -hmm. of animal protein and, it, and you lost weight and you felt better, mm -hmm. right? So, so, so actually, you have, you have uh, a cultural programming plus your own experience saying, well, you know, meat-heavy diets are, are good. So I'm curious what, mm -hmm. what made you want to explore something else when that seemed to be working? Okay, so the what most people um, fail to understand is that a cleaner diet is going to help you feel great for a while, you know, especially if you've been eating, you know, crappy or fried processed foods for most of your life or for a large portion of it. You are going to feel good after that, you know, the um, baked and boiled and steamed and not so heavily processed foods. I wasn't eating much out of a box. So yeah, I did feel good. It did look good. Um, and after a while, it kind of plateaued. I felt like, mm, I don't know that I'm still doing, I, I felt that the industry um, and the way that I was taught was the, the chemicals, and I know what I was ingesting, the first sign was maybe the um, premature aging. I think I saw a lot of my bodybuilder friends they looked very old in their face, though their body looked very nice. They looked as if they were aging um, very rapidly or prematurely. So that was like the first thing I think that I saw that I was like, mm, maybe I should not be eating as much meat as I'm eating. But um, I think I just said to myself, let's explore a healthier option. And um, I did a juice fast and just because I had did, been doing some research, I came upon um, Joe Cross's um, documentary, and I did a three-day juice fast just on a whim. It was the beginning of the year. I said, you know, let me try to see what this hype is all about <laughs> and see how I would feel. So I did the three days and mainly green juices, very little fruit, 
juices, but green. And I think at that point, I came to the realization, first of all, I don't eat nearly as many greens as I really should. But the results of that um, fast kind of catapulted this um, this transition for me. And it was mainly because, I, like I said, I came to the realization that I was not consuming enough greens because throughout the challenge, or challenge, but throughout the three-day um, fast, my nails, I've notoriously been known for having very weak, very brittle nails all of my life. They always split. Um, they, didn't, they just didn't look good. I always had to wear false nails or an overlay or something to make them harder so that they would look like women, <laughs> women hands or women fingers or women's fingers. But, um, so when I was on this fast, I noticed the first thing was my energy and that that's what I had been searching for. Um, when I researched the, the fast, that's what people had talked about. So I was like, mm, that would be good. And that was one of the first things that I realized. Um, my energy was through the roof. I felt amazing. My skin and little as three days, and I know it sounds crazy, and I know people think that, you know, this is this is too fast. You know, that's just, that's too fast. Skin takes months to replace. Um, I literally could see that my clear complexion come about. Um, my nails had gotten stronger. Um, I looked down, and I remember pressing on my nail, and it did not bend. Like, it took a little bit of pressure for it to, like, go down. And I was like, hmm, that's not normal. So <laughs> I was like, what have I been doing differently? And then, of course, the first thing that came to mind was the fast. Um, so that's kind of like what catapulted. I, I did forget to mention one thing, and this is pretty um, fundamental in what made me switch over. Probably the answer to the question you first asked. When I was on this um, clean eating diet, I felt, you know, Really, I mean, I felt better than before, but I noticed my skin started to, I have started to have all these breakouts and I never really had acne growing up as a kid. I mean, of course I've got the regular pimple or two, but I did not have acne and I had the sudden onset of like adult acne. And when I went to the doctor, I mean, it was troubling to me because I, it if you've never had it before and you're an adult, it's really emotionally disturbing. You know, you don't want to go out. I found myself not wanting to go out <laughs> and um, I was eating at home. I was doing everything at home because I, did, I was embarrassed and I went to the doctor. Of course they prescribed me antibiotics, um, but he, the doctor's assessment said that there was no topical bacteria, so he didn't see that there was anything. But, like, I wasn't cleaning my face often enough. It wasn't that, that it was something internal. So I asked him, like, how does this just start, you know? And he was like, oh, okay, the number of things, you know. It's, it, it happens. It's adult acne. So he really didn't give me any explanation as to why. And when I started looking as, um, into, like, what I was doing, my morning, my breakfast in the morning was a, um, a protein shake. And that, at that time, it was whey, um, which is a dairy um, derivative. And um, I had the whey protein shake. For lunch, of course, I had meat and things. Um, but I, for breakfast, I also had egg whites or something. I always had, there was always some form of dairy in almost every one of my meals, even so much that because of this fitness um, background, I was eating things that I did not like. I've never liked cottage cheese. I never could stand the taste of it. 
And um, I was eating it, though, because of protein. <laughs> I didn't want to miss out on my protein. I needed it. So I was having dairy um, throughout the day, multiple times throughout the day. And um, I had done my research in adult acne. I went back to my, you know, obviously what my doctor said was not satisfying enough to me. He did not give me good enough reason as to why I was experiencing And so I went home, did my own research, and saw that dairy was a large contributor to acne in general, adult and um, teenage acne. So when I did that, I noticed, um, you know, like I said, I assessed my diet and I realized that I had a lot of dairy in my diet. I also had casein protein shakes before I went to bed. So it was just ridiculous. I ended up cutting back on the casein. I took that out. Every now and again, I would have a whey shake. I noticed my skin started to clear up almost it didn't take, it wasn't an immediate, but it did over time start to get better. You know, cut it out completely. When I cut back on it, my skin started to clear up. So I knew that there was something else to this. And obviously if my skin was reacting, it's probably something internal, you know, and it's telling me you should not be consuming this. And I guess that's what started the juice fast. And then the juice fast pretty much brought me to where I am today. Gotcha. So you, you were already a personal trainer. You, mm -hmm. you changed your diet to, I mean, to some, to some people it would look like, you know, 180 degree shift from cottage cheese, protein, meat. Did, did you have like a sort of a, a crisis of identity? Like I'm imagining myself as a professional. <laughs> if one day I suddenly realize, boy, everything I've been telling people about X is I actually don't believe it anymore. How how did you how did you um, navigate that? That was that was scary because I did I did advise a lot of my clients. You know, this is what you need to eat and so on and so forth. And I, I felt tremendously horrible because once I started to realize that um, the protein. Um, or plant-based protein was more effective at building muscle and um, just being processed by the human body. Um, I felt horrible because I, I had to go back and retract all of these um, with all of my clients. Uh, again, at the beginning, I was learning myself, so I didn't want to shift them too much, and I maybe I would go back and <laughs> retract those statements and go back to eating protein or animal-based protein. So I just let them, I made them aware of it, um, of my change, and they watched me. A lot of my clients ended up becoming, you know, close friends where I would, you know, cook and make dinners and things. So they, they watched my transition, so they weren't, <laughs> they didn't hate me. Um, they were just watching, and I made them aware. But, yes, I did have something like an identity crisis. I, I mean, it's the industry. I, like you said, it's my cultural background. I'm bringing that to the table. Um, I, I, got, I guess I got used to, personally, I got used to um, kind of being the, not quote-unquote black sheep, but I've, I've always been used to being a little bit different. I've always had my own ideas, and I kind of always have tend to go with those and, you know, mix out what other people would say. And at first, my family thought I was crazy for even going into fitness because they, I had the genetic... Um, black women's curves. So I had the hips, I had the booty, <laughs> or flatter stomach. 
And that was already hard enough to go from being curvy. And those are my genetic traits. And I kind of had to deal with some identity crisis there also. So I I guess what I'm trying to say is I got used to kind of um, getting out of what society has shaped me, shaped for me and following what I felt was my calling or whatever it was I was onto at that moment. So the fitness was the first thing. And then, um, and then going plant-based obviously was the other. Um, so I'm really yeah, curious but, about that dynamic in that, you know, wanting to go into fitness and having your family say that that didn't fit your shape or, you know, the, the mm-hmm. image um, of a curvy African-American woman. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm confused by that, I guess, around, mm-hmm. you know, the, the idea that, well, you know, fitness is healthy. Was, was there a sense that, like, we can be healthy up to a point, but we, we don't want to overdo it because we're going to lose something important of ourselves? Absolutely. You said it the best right there. It's, it's okay to be fit in, in my, in my family, which, which most, um, African women, African American women can identify with. It's okay to be fit. You know, it's okay to be healthy, but when you start losing the curves, the, like I said, the slim waist and the hips and the booty, then you went too far. And that's where we have, we bring into a whole other dynamic, um, of not, not appearing black, I guess it would be. Um, those are what we hold dear to us. Those are our genetic traits, I guess, and that's what society likes or a certain part of society likes. And to lose those when people are paying for, um, you know, butt implants and smaller stomachs and hip, even even hip, um, I don't know, it's hip augmentation. Um when you have that genetically, to to I, to lose that um, by your own will was not okay. Even though it was healthy and even though it was fit, uh, that's still too much. You've done too much is pretty much. Well, my mom and I love her to death, but that's what she, you know, that's what she told me. I, you're getting too skinny. You're getting too small. And I had to drown her out <laughs> and kind of just push through. But it's it's, it's a really complex dynamic that's been built upon years of conditioning um and yeah i could have i I know there's plenty of women at this point that do not feel good even though they look good i guess you would say look good they have the curves and they don't look bad they don't look overweight quote unquote they are not feeling as energetic as um or don't have the vitality and the mental clear they they're they're struggling and i and i know that because i went through it <laughs> and when i had my daughter and those two years after those two years when i spoke of the weight loss i looked fine most to the black community and to others i looked okay i didn't look bad i had a little bit of a stomach but and i had some cellulite <laughs> but to others i looked fine i just knew that i did not feel that way and that's why um the change came about and blocking out, you know, society <laughs> and pushing through. So I guess that's why I'm saying that all to say that transition had to come for me and blocking out naysayers has been a part of my journey. So the plant-based, when I did that, of course, it was, you know, it was also another transition, but 
it wasn't as hard because I'd already been conditioned <laughs> with dealing with people and the naysayers, I guess. You know, I'd already been dealing with that when I first did the fitness right. well, transition. It sounds like a huge part of your journey has been developing this really intimate two-way dialogue with, with, your, with your body and with your internal state to say that I trust mm-hmm. what I'm feeling, I trust what I'm experiencing more than any experts or any community or any external standards. And I think that's, that's probably a brave and terrifying place to go. Is. And, and, but it was, it's the only thing that you have to rely on. I mean, there's doctors that can be, uh, we hear different um, studies being released every day where they said that something was safe and it's now it's not. It's being pulled off the market and this is how you should eat. I think butter was one of the things I've read. It was sort of healthy and then it's not healthy. So it was like the, the, the information that was available to me, I didn't always trust it. So the only thing that I could trust <laughs> was my internal self and how my body was responding or um, either positively or negatively. You know, I, that's how I, that's the only thing that I have. To, everybody has the same, um, the same sense. Obviously, if you start to tune yourself in, you'll know. I don't have to convince anyone what's healthier for them because they're going to start to feel it. And as long as they're doing plant-based diets, right, um, as far as consuming enough food then, or enough calories, then they're going to feel the same way. And it's, it's, it's evident just in my transition, my story alone. So when, when I, I met you and what, what first um, drew me to want to have you a guest on the podcast is uh, we, we met at the, uh, the Raleigh, North Carolina Veg Fest, and you, and you were offering a 21-day challenge, which is not an unusual thing. A lot of people do mm-hmm. things like something like that. But yours was a, like a soul food challenge, and my, my, my guess was that it was directed specifically toward the African-American community. And yes. I'm, I'm really curious how how that came about, and and what what you're seeing as as you take this message to a community that that in some ways, as, as you've described, pr- prefers uh, you know a, a different body type. Okay, so when I first um, went plant based, um, I lost you know again I probably lost another ten pounds um, at first, and. I looked more of an athletic uh, body type, meaning I didn't have as much curves, and my my abs and everything were amazing. (laughs) Um, I looked looked more athletic, and I think the black community or those followers of mine that supported me at one point, because I still had some curves when I was was, um, eating meat and dairy and things, they kind of started to say, you know, oh, she looks like she's gotten too small, you know. And over time, um, I got that back. I, I changed my workouts up a little bit, and um, my body started to adjust to a plant-based diet. I, I began to get some of my natural curves back. And I think when I started to get that, and I started to see my black, you know, my black friends, my black community started to say, you know what, she's vegan, but this girl doesn't look like a vegan and they were proud and I could see that the reactions were wow I I would do vegan if I could look like that you know but most vegans are skinny or most plant-based people are skinny so um I started to see that there was a need (laughs) um 
to introduce them to the lifestyle, but I could see obviously they were hesitant. And that's how this came about, the, the soul food, because I know that's an area that all of the African-American community, community can relate to. Um, that's what we hold dear to us, especially during the holidays. And we, 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 we want to see our sweet potato pie and our macaroni and cheese and those things. And over the years, um, people had seen my Thanksgiving Day plates, <laughs> you know, being, or being a plant-based or vegan um, plate. And they said it didn't look too bad, you know. <laughs> and to me, it tasted amazing. And I really was surprised at how great this food tasted. So um, the challenge is something that I started, you know, and I wanted to bring more awareness into the lifestyle. And I just thought that that was the best way to do it for the black or the African-American community. Um, it was, it's an introduction to the lifestyle, but it's not too far-fetched from what they're used to consuming. Um, so I felt like as long as I can get my tasty, creative meals in there, <laughs> um, or I actually have a plant-based chef who um, owned her own soul food vegan restaurant um, by the name of Chantal Gary. So she's created these recipes, um, recipes that she used in her restaurant, and um, and we've compiled together and made this available to the community for November and December, actually, for our traditional soul food months, you know? Uh-huh. So, yeah. so I have a marketing question for you. So when I, when I try to, to sell a plant-based diet and lifestyle to, you know, the suburban white community, there, there's, there's mm-hmm. just a couple of messages that really resonate with people at first. One is, I want to, I'm going to lose weight. And the mm-hmm. other if people have medical issues or family histories of medical issues, sometimes they're interested in that. But, but honestly, it's almost all about weight loss. And then mm-hmm. people start finding they feel better, like they have the experiences you had. <clears throat> they, they start reading more. They get some cookbooks, and then they get introduced to the ethical, environmental, social aspect mm-hmm. of it. But what, what, is the, what marketing works well in the, in the black community just to start out to say, here's some reasons you might want to try this? Like what, what, are, what are the holes that this is potentially filling? Well, the first thing, I, my, my method, and anyone who follows me knows this, I don't know, like you said, the ethical or the animal rights things start to come about. I find that more, and this is my opinion, obviously, this is how I was raised. Um, in the black community, that's not the way to go about it. In North Carolina, when I was, you know, raised as a child, we raised dogs in our backyard and, you know, a lot of things that were not humane. And now that I'm more conscious, I see that. We don't seem to have that um, that upbringing where dogs and um, animals or pets um, are, are revered or, you know, respected. So I don't go at, I don't speak of the, um, the uh, animal, the factory farming processes, none of that really, because I don't feel, I don't feel like it's the right tactic for my demographic, um, mainly because they, they don't connect with that. Um, so that's what I don't do. I don't always market towards weight loss because, again, that's another aspect that though we are overweight or a large part of a large portion of us are, um, I don't go that route either because of the fear of losing the curves. My marketing technique is more of the feeling better, 
the clearer skin, because I see a lot of people um, deal with that even in adulthood. Um, the obviously the vitality, the energy, the brain fog goes away. You know, the mental clarity and concentration and focus. I try to tack on those and elaborate more on how a plant-based diet helped me to obtain those things. Mainly, for the most part, energy works the most. It seems as if more people are struggling with um, needing coffee right when they first wake up in the morning, you know, and getting through their day and not having time to work out, obviously, as a personal trainer. (laughs) I hear that most often. So I guess that's why my approach is what it is, is mainly getting the energy um, that a plant-based diet gives you, getting that across first, because that's going to help with working out. That's going to help with just feeling better in general. And then obviously they're going to probably lose some weight, of course, if they are, um, if they need to, or if they, their bodies feel it's necessary, um, they're going to lose some weight, but it's not, I just don't try to focus on weight loss. I know it works more in the Caucasian community, but in the black community, I just, even with us, even with three fourths of us being overweight, I still, mm-hmm. <laughs> I still don't go yeah. in that, that direction. What, what about, um, so health, you know, disease issues. So, you know, yesterday the American Cancer Society put out a report saying that for the first time, black women have the same risk of breast cancer as white women. And, you know, the obesity rate among black women has gone from like 39% to 58% over the last 10 years. Um, is, is that part of the conversation? Um, it is, it is because, um, I, I focus more on cancer, um, because I mean, it's a, it's prevalent obviously in all of our communities. And I do speak of, um, a plant-based diet, diet, reducing the risk, highly reducing the risk, the risk of, um, you know, obtaining cancer, um, and reversing to a degree. So I do speak on that because it's powerful, and I don't want to ignore the fact that these, this is the real benefit of eating um, this way. Um, so I do speak of it. I, um, I know that my community faces diabetes and um, high blood pressure. All of my family, um, my grandma died of a massive heart attack at 56, and... Um, my grandfather struggles with diabetes. All of my family pretty much has high blood pressure, even my younger cousin. Um, so I know that this is an issue, but I will speak of it. And I think mainly for the most part, high blood pressure is probably something that I'll touch on. Um, but I don't like to make people feel bad because they already have a hard time um, addressing or accepting the fact that they have these issues. Um, so I will put it out there and I will say that these are the benefits, but I don't, I don't harp on it. Um, it's very fragile. I guess it's, it's a very fragile topic because most people don't even want to admit that their diet is causing or could be the root of these problems. Most of us, especially in this community, feel as if these are genetic problems that have been handed down to us and there's nothing that we can do about it. And that's exactly the same mindset that I was taught. Um, growing up is that you're probably going to have it. You know, my mom doesn't have a thyroid anymore. She has, you know, put most of it um, was radioactively removed. So um, 
that's something I kind of just accepted at one point, like, okay, I'm probably not going to have a child, <laughs> you know? So these were things that um, I was taught to believe. So sometimes even addressing the fact that what I was taught all this, all my life could be wrong, that's a very sensitive, you know, topic for some people. So I just like to put the information out there, but not harp on it because um, I don't think it's really effective. It doesn't prove to be in my experience. It sounds like you're marketing towards what people will want and love as opposed to marketing them away from what they dislike and fear. Exactly. And I mean, it's a part of, um, I think it's just an effective tactic because, I mean, everybody, to focus on things that you do not like or things that you don't want takes more energy than focusing on what makes you happy or makes you feel good. Um, So I think that's just a part of my personality in general. Most people who know me know I'm a very positive um, <laughs> very positive person. It's worked for me throughout life. <laughs> and I guess I take that same life lesson and apply it um, to a plant-based diet and to it versus um, facing all the other issues. So, so I'm curious about your, your own evolution around the larger issues around a plant-based diet, specifically say, you know, animal welfare, environment. Have, where, where are you on on those issues personally? Personally, it's a, I mean, like you just said, it's an evolution. It, at first, I had no idea, you know, and I, and I think if you would have showed me, in fact, I did watch a animal docu- or documentary of, on HBO, I remember, in 2008, I remember watching it. And though it was sad to me, um, the animal practices and the factory farming, it was sad to me, I, again, protein. <laughs> How am I going to get protein if I don't eat animals? And that's really sad, but this is kind of like what animals are here for. We've got to eat them because what else would we eat, you know? So it came from being raised that way to, um, to now being more conscious of it. I am not completely free of my leather goods. I am not completely free of, um, well, for the most part, I broke it down to about leather. I think that's I don't buy anything. Um, I don't buy, of course, like minks or we in the female community. <laughs> we have mink lashes or eyelashes. They're they're used for extensions. I don't use those. Um, there's there's certain things that I have removed from my lifestyle, but for the most part, the hardest thing for me to remove is leather. I do like leather goods, and um, to a certain degree, at first I felt ashamed because I mean it's Sometimes the guilt can come across in this lifestyle. Um, but I've got to remember, and for most people, you've got to remember, you've been raised for a, lo- a large part of your life. For me, it was 30 years um, before I even adopted a plant-based diet. And I've made a, a large transition over a short, um, I mean, a, a large transition over a short amount of time. Um, so the guilt doesn't really bother me as much, but it, it is something I want to change. But um, I do go out, I do leaflet with uh, the Humane League. Um, and any other opportunity, I guess I can. But again, for my demographic, I just don't do too much of that because people start to get turned off when they hear too much about what's going on behind these slaughterhouses or behind closed doors and slaughterhouses. So I'm there, and I guess I identify more with being plant-based than I do being vegan, um, but that's just, I, I, 
I do eat more plant-based foods. I don't just eat foods that are free of meat, dairy, and eggs. Um, I eat plant-based foods because my transition to this lifestyle was for nutrition. It was not for animal rights. So, of course, we know a lot of vegans that can be overweight and can be, um, quote-unquote, unhealthy because they're eating a lot of processed foods and things of that nature. So, uh, I love what I am. I'm plant-based and... and, um, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And hopefully at some point, you know, I get stronger in rejecting leather and things, but it's all progress. It's all progress and it's moving in the right direction. So I'll take that. <laughs> so so I, I grew up in a very political household. Like we were all, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how I, how I see the world. Whenever I, I, I come across an issue, I always think about the political ramifications. It was a very sort of left wing Upbringing, so I think in terms a lot, a lot in terms of sort of class, you know, structure, class struggle, and when I when I look at let's say U.S. government food policy, um, specifically around you know the black community, I, I see it as quite oppressive. You know, for example, that um, you know a large percentage of African Americans are lactose intolerant, and yet milk mm-hmm. is the cornerstone of school lunches. Um, mm-hmm. You know the the, the the brunt of our food policy, I think, comes down heavier on uh, African-American communities and poorer communities. Um, mm-hmm. And some, um, you know, so it's easy for me to, to get angry about stuff. I've become that way. <laughs> has an awful lot to be angry about if it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> To, to put it absolutely, out, I'm, absolutely. I'm wondering, do you see any sort of intersection between eating healthy, eating more plants, and in a sort of a broader uh, social context and political context? Um, well, I I was never I was raised differently than you because um, politics weren't a part of my household, um, or not really spoke on that much. Uh, but after I did start to do more research into the plant-based diet, and I think Monsanto was the first thing that I um, started researching. And um, in fact, it was a human anatomy and physiology teacher of mine who brought it up way before I went plant-based. And um, when I started doing more research, I started to see and I started to get angry <laughs> because I had a child. And that was always, you know, as a mother. Um, I've got to protect my child and knowing that she's a young, pure soul. Um, I was very interested in filling her with, um, genetically modified, um, products. So yes, I, I did become angry. Um, I think again, and this is a large part of, like I said, I'm Southern. I don't, um, I don't identify with being raised in a politically aware household, um, which I think a lot of my counterparts can probably agree on. Um, again, it's something that when I speak of eating plant-based, I'm speaking of removing a lot of the processed foods. So I think in turn, it t- it touches on so many angles, the politics, um, the health and weight issues, et cetera, because what you're doing is removing the chances of having more genetically modified ingredients in your diet. Um, for me, of course, Monsanto was, you know, that's a huge, um, 
subject for me. Um, so when I speak of eating healthy and when I'm eating, you know, speaking of eating plant-based, it's touching on those things also. So I think um, you, you turn around, and though you might not have went and saw, let me do some research on Monsanto. Um, when you start eating healthier and you start to become aware of GMOs and their presence, um, then you start to become more connected in a political sense um, to what's going on. So I think it's definitely intersected. I feel like this is all, it's a full lifestyle transformation. And I don't just say it um, in, spec, in, in the respect of a physical uh, or health transformation. It's made me so much more aware of things that are going on in our world um, politically and otherwise so yeah i do see i find that connection is um in, in my facebook group which is a part of the plant-based um, challenge i find that my members though i only speak mainly on nutrition um i find that my members they come right on in and they'll post something about a gmo ingredient or this being um you know, being accepted or this being passed or the dark act or any of those things, they, they post this stuff. So it's evident that the transition has started to occur and them as well. Um, so it's definitely all a part of, it's definitely intersected and I, and I appreciate that. I'm glad, I'm glad that it is because we need to be more aware as a community of what's going on in our world and not so closed minded, um, because a lot of us were even made to believe. I even just had this conversation on Facebook with one of my followers, and it was a post speaking of cancer and how um, a, a cure has already been developed or, you know, they just don't want us to know about it, that kind of thing. And um, he rejected me. He said, you know, the, the government, why would my government, why would all these doctors know that there's a cure and not teach me about or not tell me about it? Um, and so it, it, it was very evident that um, this gentleman has not delved into this lifestyle. Uh, but, yeah, so just to answer your question, it's definitely intersected. And, yeah. I remember when I first um, started studying health education in, in graduate school, um, I was, it was um, Temple University, you know, so downtown Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really mm -hmm. my first exposure to an African-American community. So, you know, a lot of my classmates mm -hmm. were black. And I, my, my, the first shock I had was how distrusting they were of the government compared to me. <laughs> and I, you got a okay. <laughs> left wing, and yet I'm thinking, boy, the, you know, what, what's going on here? Like, there's such a huge disconnect. And then, like, in the first class, we, we, read, we studied the Tuskegee syphilis experiments, and I'm like, mm -hmm. holy cow! <laughs> now I get. Yeah. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm hoping and imagining that there are there are aspects of the black experience in America that would make people much more open to the idea that that the government doesn't have all the answers, and that the authority figures that we've vested with our uh, our health destinies don't have all the answers. Do do you do you find that that there's an, there's a kind of an advantage, a kind of built-in BS detector based on the, the, the history? I wish I could say that, but I, I don't. Um, I think maybe your experience was more from a graduate level and you're dealing with much more aware 
um, people. Uh, but I feel like our distrust or the, the my generation or um, my peers um, of our government. But unfortunately, and this is really hurts me, but unfortunately, many of us um, put way too much trust. And I find that on my every social media aspect, um, every social media avenue, I should say, um, whenever I make certain uh, claims or um, just say that, hey, you know, aspartame, you know, like this is, has been going on for years, you know, so-and-so bought aspartame for X amount of dollars and that it's not, it doesn't go over very well. <laughs> and um, they, they, I think it's also because people just want to, to have that trust um, in your government that they wouldn't do anything wrong to you makes you very comfortable and it doesn't make you, it doesn't enact a change because most people don't want to change what they're doing. They want to just trust that someone has their best interest at heart and I don't have to do all this research <laughs> because my government or so-and-so has my best interest at mind. Um, so it does not, unfortunately, I can't say the same for my peers or my followers um, I do have some very conscious followers, but for the, for a large part of it, they, they're still very trusting of the government and, um, the, my plate, I think we also have, because Michelle Obama is, you know, a, a large part of that. Um, there's still now it's even more trust in a my plate, um, or a school lunch, uh, because it's got chicken on there and it's got protein and it's got a form of dairy still. Um, so unfortunately I can't say the same. I wish that there was more mistrust. Hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious about what, so you've, you've been working with, uh, with people for a while. You have a fairly large community of people who have taken the challenge and are part of your Facebook group that you're continually, uh, interacting with. What does... Mm -hmm. The um, what does a black plant-based world look like? Does it look like what? Does it look different? Is it different foods? Is it you know how? Uh, what what are what are some of the different flavors that I, that I would uh, I would experience in, in that community? Um. Well, I think it, it the black the black plant-based community um for the most part to me is a younger a younger community um but when it comes to uh food as a part of i think just the plant-based world in general we're very creative <laughs> we've learned how to create um meals that look similar to what we were raised on i know for me that was a large part of um being vegan after or being plant-based after my initial, you know, 21 days, my personal challenge to myself. After that, I wanted food that looked like <laughs> my chili cheese fries. I wanted something that looked similar to that. Um, that was my favorite cheap meal as an omnivore. Um, so I wanted those types of food. I think for the most part, it just comes down to being creative. I don't think that there's many different spices or um or things of that nature. I think it's more we like we like smothered foods. <laughs> we like gravy, <laughs> and um, 
we like macaroni and cheese and we like um, quote unquote meatloaf, which on our challenge, we have a lentil loaf that we use. Um, more of the soul food. And that's just in general, that's not just for this challenge. Um, that's a plant-based diet in general, because we, those are our quote unquote comfort foods. And that's what we're raised on. But, um, I adopt more of, um, I'm fairly raw for the large portion of the day. And I save my cooked foods for the most part, um, till after 12 noon or, um, or later or four, six o'clock depends on how I feel that day. It's not always those comfort foods for me individually. I can't say that. Um, that's more of a dinner thing for me, I guess. And we've got quinoa. I, I love avocado now. These are a lot of fruits and vegetables I would have never ate as an omnivore, which just goes to um, further congratulate a plant-based diet for me because I did not eat nearly as many vegetables as I should have. But now that a plant-based diet has introduced me to, um, so I've got quinoa on my plate. I've got avocado. I've got, um, oh man, you name it, chickpeas, seeds, beans, all of it. Uh, if it's plant-based and it's not processed for the most part, I'm okay. I do eat some processed foods, but they're very minimal and, um, it's more of a cheat or one of those kinds of, uh, things for me, but the plant-based community, um, you know, the, the younger blacks, it, it really is heartwarming because it's nice to see that people have adopted the same concept of removing certain foods from their diet, and now they've created it um, to suit their, you know, palate or their cultural upbringing. So I eat more foods now that are Indian and Ethiopian that I would have never touched as an omnivore, so it's 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 pretty diverse. I can't say it's just one thing. Well, obviously, the soul food is a large part of it, but it's it's diverse. That's the best thing I can say about it. You know, I, I live in North Carolina, and we have a uh, a small farm that we're trying to get off the ground, and we plant all sorts of stuff. And the mm -hmm. stuff that grows here, you know, kale, collards, peas. Um, uh -huh. <laughs> you know, where I have to go to find recipes is. Uh, well, Southern cookbooks, but African American cookbooks. Yeah. If we don't look at the like yes. lip of the last forty or fifty years, um, you know, the the African American diet, with the exception of the of you know celebrations in which you you know the, the velvet cake and the soul food and the fried chicken, it was a very plant based, close to the earth diet. Yes, absolutely, it was. <laughs> it strayed from that when uh, meat started to become more affordable. But yeah, that, you know, it's it's a North Carolina thing, but it's also a Southern thing. Um, collards are every, it's a staple on everybody. I, I don't, I can't believe I didn't mention that. But yes, collards are, in fact, collards are a large part. <laughs> Kale is not. Like I will say, in fact, my mom, and I know she's probably going to kill me today, but when I asked her what kale was, and this was growing up as a kid, she was like, oh, that's white people's collards. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. I was like, okay, so I guess I'm not supposed to eat that. Or it wasn't as flavorful. That's really what it was she, I think, was trying to get across, was that it was not as tasty as collard greens were. <laughs> and... um and it's funny because now uh, I eat a large portion of kale. 
So um, before before we close, I'm curious about the 21 day challenge. Like, how how did that come about for you, and and what is it, and how people how can people get involved? Okay, so the the 21 days to plant based, my personal uh, challenge or uh, what I do now all evolved from my original um, introduction to the lifestyle. So I know I spoke of the juice fast, uh, doing the juice fast, but I did not have any intention on going um, vegan or plant-based at that time. I, After my three-day fast, I went back to uh, my regular omnivore diet. And about two, maybe three weeks later, um, I sat down at my breakfast table and I realized that I did not feel as good as I felt when I was juicing. And obviously, I can't live on just juice alone. Um, But what diet could I mirror that provided me these same benefits that juice did? And immediately, I came back to, you know, reading Skinny Bitch (laughs) book and, um, and thought of, okay, well, you know, a vegan diet is free of meat, dairy, you know, eggs or whatever. Um, I did more research into it and I was like, okay, well, maybe I just need to try a plant-based diet. And that's how it started for me. Originally, I had set my goal for 30 days. Um, I was going to give it a try for 30 days and see um, how that worked for me physically and, you know, and otherwise. But I remember reading that 21 days is what we needed to either make or break a bad habit or adopt a new one. And so that's, I cut it down also for fear of not making it the 30 days. <laughs> so I cut it down to 21 and I I tweeted about my whole journey. I kind of, it, it was, it's available still for viewing. I, I've kept up pictures and things so that people can see. I'm very honest and transparent about my transition. Um, and so, yeah, I started at 21 days. However, <laughs> this challenge came about because I did not have, I'm with, with this challenge, I'm giving people the resources that I did not have. I was growing up, or I was in North Carolina at the time, um, and I did not have anywhere to eat out. I did not know what I could cook um, or what, <laughs> what recipes to make. I didn't have anything, so I did a lot of research on my own. I bought a lot of cookbooks, <laughs> a lot of uh, vegan cookbooks and so forth and made my own meals. But when it came to um, a social aspect, I was very lonely. Um, and I noticed that, you know, though my friends did come over, they would eat my food. I really couldn't go out to eat with them. Um, so I noticed that there was, you know, a social aspect that was missing. And so I brought this challenge about by giving people what I wish I would have had and though I can't put a vegan restaurant in every city, state, or town, I'm giving you access to a lot of plant-based friends and people that are going through or have recently went through the same challenges that you are um, currently going through. So when it comes to simple as what do I do for butter, you know, um, there's, you know, my Facebook group or the Facebook member group. It's there and it's available for you to just plug in a question like that. And there's plenty of members. There's 1,200 members now and who have went through the challenge or who are going through the challenge currently. Um, they're there to say, hey, you know, um, Earth Balance is what I used for butter. And, you know, that's a quickly resolved, quickly answered question because everyone, and I'm sure you can you can attest to this, 
anyone who's done a plant-based diet or who's went through it, they're very passionate about it because it's new and it's something that's working for them, and they love sharing information. Um, so throughout this, what's that? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's hard it's hard to get us to shut up, right? Yeah. <laughs> talk talk about really talk is. about an underutilized resource. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, that's what it, that that's what I did. So I've got them there because they they love helping these people. Of course, my first challenge started about 16 months ago. Um, and that came about because as a trainer, I was on the road and I was always getting, um, I was on the road doing the boot camps that I spoke of earlier, but I was always getting questions and emails about what it is that I eat. So <laughs> my quick response in my way to kind of like, I didn't have time. Obviously I'm on the road. I can't reply back to everyone and say, oh, this is what I eat every morning. I got seven plant-based chefs I reached out to um, through social media, and I asked them for three days' worth of recipes. So breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, give me your three. I'm, in turn, I'm going to, since I have a large following, in turn, I'm going to, you know, shout you out and help promote your business, but help me help people <laughs> on our, you know, on their transition. So that's how the 21 Days to Plant-Based started. I got Solely, um, it was only recipes. Um, now it's now fitness has there's a fitness component in there also, but at that time last year when I did it, it was only um, plant based recipes. So seven different chefs gave me three days worth, and it was free. I made it free so that I didn't have to worry about you know taking payment, all that stuff. I'm doing. I'm on the road and splitting it amongst seven chefs. I just didn't have any desire <laughs> to do so. So. I made it free and I made it accessible to everyone. I had about 1,200 people sign up on the first challenge. Um, and I actually still have some of those participants have been plant-based vegan or have adopted now a vegan lifestyle. Or, but when they initially went plant-based, they have been on that journey now. I think it is 16 months since I first started. And actually I have people um, that have went raw after, uh, people who have um, – only that are now only eating fish or are they cut back on, um, you know, their meat intake or whatever um, they've, they've adopted on their own. So that's how this whole thing started was uh, an answer. (laughs) It was pretty much a nice way or a quick way to answer um, hundreds of emails really. And um, so that's how it started. And now the Facebook group has those original participants there that um, still adopted the lifestyle, and they're there as long as, in addition to others, to help the people that um, come about. So that's the social aspect. <laughs> I took I took care of it in that way. They have their own, you know, I have my own face, their own Facebook group, and they've got other resources also. And um, so I took care of the social aspect, and then obviously the recipes, um, as long as they're creative and and good tasting. <laughs> um, most people like that, and um, and now the fitness component has been added because, um, of course, a lot of people want to. If they're looking into a plant-based diet, they're probably looking to um, just get healthier or fit in general. So, of course, that's an added component. So, for only twenty-one dollars, I've marketed this. Um, I'm pretty practically giving it away because I want people to experience what it is that I've experienced by transitioning to this lifestyle and what other people have 
you know, experience by transitioning to it also. So they find out more information on the website, which is www21, the number, days to plant based with a D, dot com, or simply 21 DTPD, <laughs> the abbreviation for 21. DTPD. Yes, exactly. Dot com. So it's for- shortened. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's so it's shortened, so you don't have to t- type in a paragraph all the time. But yeah, that that's I've got all the information there. More information about me and how my I transitioned. Um, more information about our chef, our plant based chef, and um, her experience. And um, yeah, and then the fact that the chef is also a single parent, just as myself, that also encourages a lot of um, the black community and other, you know, not just simply the black community, but other single moms who feel like, oh, gosh, that's too much (laughs) to do. Uh It's already a lot. You know, we've got too much. We don't have any time and all this other stuff. So, um, yeah, so we're we're, we're there. We are available. We've got our next challenge starts November 2nd. Obviously, that's probably going to be passed when this airs. But um, there's another challenge that starts in December. Same recipes, same thing, but you're going to go through a group guided challenge. where you get your recipes once a week for seven days and you can pretty much mix and mingle how you wish. I don't make, I don't say that you have to eat this, that, that for a specific day. Um, You get seven days worth breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and you can do with it how you please. And I have weekly group phone calls for people who are not social media savvy. So if you have a question that you want to talk to me about or, ask um, in a group setting, you can do so. Um, that's held once a week. Um, and then, of course, you get emails um, of your workouts on a daily basis. So you've got 21 days of a lot of information, um, a lot of helpful information available to you for a very, very, very low rate. So, um, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to Help as many people as possible. So if you're curious, please, and even if you're vegan or plant-based at the time, it doesn't. It's helpful to anyone because it's we we all could use more recipes, <laughs> uh-huh. and because um, it's still new to for most of us, and um, we could all use you know a fitness component unless that's something that you've already you know adapted in your lifestyle. And um, uh, well, we could we could all use a, a supportive community. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest, <laughs> we, you know, this is a very, I've maintained this group and I've been very careful of um, monitoring it because I want to make sure that this is always a positive resource um, for others. I know I went through this when I first tried to reach out in the social aspect because I got a lot of negativity when I asked questions on a vegan support group. And that was not just one support group. That was kind of the consensus amongst all of this vegan support groups that I reached out to. And I said, hey, I don't know if I should eat this. I mean, it was simple questions. It wasn't um, – it was just my ignorance at the time. I did not know what I could eat or why I shouldn't consume honey, you know, or that was one of the things I I didn't know. And um, I remember being attacked for it, and um, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that feeling. I didn't think it was productive. I didn't think that – that's the way that it should go for people who are compassionate or supposed to be compassionate and helpful. So um, I, I created this group and this thing for that reason, but I've monitored it so that there's no talk of animal welfare on this group. It is solely for plant-based and nutrition um, support only. Um, and yeah, that's, 
that's pretty much um, what this group is there for. It's positive. Everyone is encouraging. Everyone will, if they've done the challenge a year ago or six months ago or the last cycle, they're all going to offer you kind words of encouragement and motivation. And you can vent your frustrations there. You can vent <laughs> the challenges that are going that you're going through or physical challenges, you know, some of the detox symptoms people post on this and how did you get through this? There's always someone there saying, This is what you this is what I did and this is how I got through it. Don't worry, it's gonna pass, <laughs> you know. There's always that um that commute there's that community feel and it's a really it's honestly my most valuable resource and I'm so grateful um for all of my participants who are on there continuing to keep it a positive and enlightening um sanctuary really <laughs> that's kind of what I feel it is so sounds great yeah. sounds, sounds like something that uh, that all of us need in one form or another and so if you don't have yeah. it to my listeners right now if you don't have it in your life check it out 21 days to plant com. Thank you. Thank you. So, Queenie Moore, thanks so much for the inspiration, for the education, and and for the the positivity that you bring to, you brought to this call and that you bring to the world and to your mission. Oh, thank you so much, Howie, for having me. I'm really honored, and I I really appreciate you taking the time out for me. Thank you. All right. Be, Be well. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast. If you're new to the show, go to plantyourself.com or find us on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can subscribe and listen to 127 other shows and counting. If you'd like to support the show, there are lots of ways to do it. First and foremost, please share this episode or any others with friends and loved ones that you think could benefit. Also, please go to iTunes and leave a short review. Give us some stars. That helps other people find the show who are just searching in sort of the health arena and don't necessarily know about our particular endeavor. You can also go to plantyourself.com and on the right, there's a donate button and you can help defray some of the costs associated with producing this show every single week. Some of you know that I have hung a shingle Um, I've moved into an office and I am offering wellness consulting. I think of myself as kind of a wellness Sherpa. I will help you plan the route and also help you carry your backpack till you get there, till you get to that place where you are truly well. And the reason this is necessary, I was talking to a friend the other day who had made a tremendous transformation in her own health and went to the doctor and the doctor was floored and you know wrote down great great job keep it up you're doing great on her lab reports and it occurred to both of us how sad it is that doctors are flabbergasted when people actually get better and there's lots of reasons for this of course but i think anyone who's had anything to do with western medicine knows doctors don't really expect you to get better they expect you to manage your symptoms with drugs to reverse the worst of them with surgeries but they really don't see a lot of people turning things around and becoming well and that's a shame because we know it's possible and so that's my business and if you go to trianglebewell.com you can read more about it and if you want to just get in touch with me i'm happy to have conversations with folks to see if maybe there's a fit and there's a way that we could work together in garden news we've started planting the winter crop of garlic 
we got a whole bunch of horse manure from a neighbor's farm. We spread it out and we tilled and we're pulling up all the Bermuda grass and we're looking forward to harvesting a lot, a lot, a lot of garlic in probably July. So uh, some, for someone who doesn't like to think ahead too much, this is pretty challenging and also a lot of fun. Not much is coming out of the garden these days, but we're starting to use up our sweet potatoes and we're making delicious stews. I even made a chocolate cake with sweet potato as the main ingredient from Drina Burton's Plant Powered Families Cookbook that is amazing. And so I invite you to take a look at what in your life has already been harvested. What fruits of your past labors are right there, right in front of you for you to enjoy and savor and share right now. And with that, as always, be well, my friends.